Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and I'm an award show junkie. And I'm Jules, and I live for a good red carpet moment. And guess what? This episode, we're celebrating award season by capturing some of that on-screen movie magic and highlighting a Chianti, which was a pivotal player in 1992's Best Picture for the Oscars, and the last movie to win the Big Five Awards, The Silence of the Lambs. So grab your gowns and your fava beans and get ready. Okay, so I have to do the um, the quote from the it, movie that references Chianti. So it's iconic. Hannibal Lecter is talking about um, how a census taker once tried to test him. And I was like, I can also understand this because we've been on Oh, the you have that stalker. Yes. You had the census stalker. So I stalker. fucking get it. So anyway, so he says, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> you know... He's we, so gross. We, it's so gross. We all stopped hearing about that census taker that was stalking you. Do you have some? Do you have a confession you need to make? Joel? Listen, our backyard is not big enough, okay? And it's just all brick. What? You don't need we the do backyard. A, you ate the a, fucker. We also have a mountain house that has a lot of land. So. And don't people like freeze meat in the mountains, like for the winter? I mean, you know what I mean, okay. there you go. Well. <laughs> Wow, this episode got real dark real fast. Anyway, um, let's bring it back up. Let's bring it back up. Before we get into this wine, let's kick off with our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing this episode? My cheers is in relation to my intro. I'm cheersing to fashion. I really love award season. With a capital F, people. And a U-N, fashion. 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 Uh, I just really love the red carpet, how they do like the whole hour before the show starts and they break it down and then you go on Instagram and they're talking about like who wore what and the who wore The 360 mirror, all of it. I just really The tea, the it. shade, all of it. I love fucking judging people for what they're wearing because I'm thinking you have all the fucking money in the world and you have all these stylists and that's what you look like? Like sometimes. It's, <laughs> it's really bad sometimes, right? But I just really, I do, I love the red carpet. And I love how, you know, everybody's like, over here, over here. And they're having to pose and they're looking this way and they're looking that way. And then when you see the behind the scenes, they their face just totally like shuts down right after the picture and they walk on to the next thing. can't fucking breathe, yeah. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, fashion. And what are you jeersing? I'm jeersing to some of the acceptance speeches where they're thanking God. I just, I'm like, really? Are you really thanking God? I mean, or are you just saying that? Because you're part of Hollywood. I don't really think that God is part of like your everyday life. You didn't, get, you didn't get to be on stage accepting an award by being a very good person, I don't think, sometimes. So <laughs> I just think it's bullshit. I mean, it is the Lenten season though, so, so anyway. So I'll be I'll be <laughs> jeersing people that are like, thanks to God. And then they point, right? They always point and they look up to the fucking ceiling and i'm the like he- okay. that's the heavens <laughs> i'd be like thanking god and then pointing down also just everyone <laughs> she's 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 judging people just beyond this like this well, is not the only thing she's fucking they all judging know this. this they all know this. what are you cheersing to oh so similar vein here the red carpet i fucking live for this shit this is the best time of year because you've got all it is literally a season you've got the the Emmys, you've got the Screen Actors Guilds, you have the Grammys, you've got all the shit, the Oscars, and then you cap it all off with the Pisse Resistance, the Met Gala, 
first Monday of May, um, which is my and it's fucking Fashion Week globally. So yeah. I am living for it. While I sit on my sofa in my Snoopy pajamas. <laughs> I know. I'm talking about fashion. I'm like in sweatpants and like a sweatshirt that I cut off like the neck. You know, I, you know what? We are fashion. With slippers. We are fashion. Yeah, it's so, fine. What uh, are you jeersing to? Oh, Jesus. So we all know that I had very mixed feelings about one of the nominees for this year. Do we all know that? Did we talk oh, about that? Oh, maybe we already? didn't talk about that. I, I had very mixed feelings about Barbie. I'm sure it'll come up sometime this episode. Um, but... I fucking told everyone that that film was about making space for and making excuses for toxic masculinity. Oh, and fucking lo and behold, Ryan Gosling is the only one who gets nominated. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. Who was fucking right? That's right. That was bullshit. I mean, he did do a good job. Beaching. He did a good, he did a good job. He was beaching. Yeah. Like, give it to fucking Michael Sarah. At least Michael Sarah was just like, "Eh, how do they ignore the female character? Like, how do they ignore Barbie? Or or the director? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, we could literally make the whole episode about that, but that's not what it is. We're going to not do that. We're not? No, we're not. Oh, that was okay. So there's your cheers and your jeers. Boo. Boo. Hiss. Throwing popcorn at people. Speaking of Oscar nominations, for this episode, Shawinigans, we are offering some perfect pairings for this year's Best Picture nominees. Now, Full disclosure, Jules has seen one of these films, and I've seen two. So we are really flying by the seat of our pants We are. And picking these pairings based entirely on these brief summaries that we're going to share, and quite frankly, vibes. 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 It's all vibes. To be honest, though, every Oscar season, I've not hardly seen any of the movies that are actually nominated for Best Picture. See, I'm pretty good at them. John, yeah. John and I, the Silver Fox I'm and I like, like a shit, good I haven't seen movie. any of these movies. And and <clears throat> Silver Fox and I go to the movies a lot more than you and Hot Rob. We'd never go to the movies. Oh, see, we, we love it. We just don't. I fucking love paying an arm and a leg to sit in a room with a bunch of fucking other people and then pay like $80 for, for snacks. For some raisinettes it's or just whatever. It's my fucking favorite thing. For some goobers. Yeah. So anyway, um, date, date night tips. Date night tips. You're okay, welcome. So let's go through um, the movies. Tell us about The Holdovers. Okay. So The Holdovers is a comedy drama starring Paul Giamatti as Paul... Hunham. 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 Hunham, maybe? Hunham. Hunham. If we'd watched the movie, we'd know. (laughs) Hunham just sounds so much funnier. Anyway. um, Hunham. A professor at a prep academy who is hated by his peers and students alike. Sounds like a depressing movie. Stuck at the academy for the holidays with no family or friends to visit, he finds himself in the company of a bright but troubled young student named Angus and the school's head cook, Mary. Together, the three create a makeshift family as they bond during the holiday season in this feel-good flick. So are they a thruple? (laughs) 
We don't know. If we would have watched the movie. Wow, we'd that's know. this is turning into a Dateline episode. Oh well. Okay. All right, what are you pairing with this? Um. Okay, prep. I'm thinking prep academy. Uh huh. So it's got to be something fancy. Oh, I feel like it's got to be like an expensive wine. Like French. Or, yes, or like a vintage, you know, something like that's been cellared for a while and is worth, you know, a lot of money. Just like, you know, a 1957 Bordeaux. Something blah, blah, like blah, that. Blah, 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 yes. And words in French. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. All right. Who do you think our audience is exactly? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if the, if our audience, who are you, dear reader? <laughs> if our readers have cellared wines from 19, the 1950s, like oh, are we picking stuff that people might actually have in their house? Or are we just oh, I guess we didn't have rules. No, you're I fine. thought okay. we were just listen thinking no about I'm just, what I'm just making makes sense. sense. I'm just making okay, okay. Do I get to pick one? No. Wow, aggressive. It'll take too long. I have a good one. Oh, fine. <laughs> Dude, she always gets her fucking way. It's Paul Giamatti. It's got to be a fucking... A Merlot. No, a Pinot. No, it's got to be a Merlot because he hates Merlot and You're sideways. so mean. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you it was a good one. All right. Tell us about the next one, Anatomy of a Fall. Okay, Anatomy of a Fall is a crime drama that is about um, the death of a successful writer. Uh, her name is Sandra or Sandra. Um, her husband, Samuel, dies in the French Alps, and she's arrested and accused of his murder. With their blind son, Daniel, as the only witness to Samuel's death, uh, Sandra must face nearly impossible odds to prove her innocence. Ooh, sounds as spicy. It's like a family, it's a crime domestic drama. thriller. Yeah. Sounds like a book I would read. I would totally read that. Okay, uh, because it sounds spicy, uh, I'm going to pick a Zen. Like something bold, kind of heavy, kind of brooding. I like that. I'm thinking about it being in the French Alps. Fair. So I'm thinking um, maybe... Um, a Bordeaux blend. Like a Bordeaux. For the new vintage. Or even just like a Rhone. Okay. A Rhone varietal. Something French. Something French. Yeah. We're really, a Chateauneuf de Pop. <laughs> something Chateauneuf. <laughs> Something, something, shut the new. Oh, we're really leaning into we this French thing. We are really Thank God we, it. Thank God we didn't do like the foreign movie oh, category. God. We'd be a hot mess. Actually, we'd probably do really well. Yeah, we'd probably if do If there were some Italian, Spanish, or Portuguese films in we'd there, we'd probably do a lot it. better than we'd the other. All right, Drea, tell us about your favorite Barbie. Oh, fuck me. This is one that we both have actually seen. And we saw it together. And we saw it together. And we dressed up for it. And, and we, it was really fun. And we drank to it. So uh, We actually had a really good time. It was fun. Um, Barbie is a film adaptation of the iconic toy, Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. The film centers on Margot Robbie's, uh, Robbie's? Robbie's. Barbie, who ventures outside of Barbie land and travels with Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, um, (laughs) to the real world in search of true happiness. But as she finds out, that real world is anything but a dream. What are you drinking? I'm torn between drinking something light and fun because it's Barbie and drinking something more serious because of the theme or the like the topic of it. So it's like, do you want to 
drink to Dua Lipa's Dance the Night Away right. part? Or do you want to drink to... Billie Amer- Eilish's oh, I was What Was say, I Made For? America Ferrera's like soliloquy. Or that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with the more fun side of it and go with a sparkling rosé. So I am also, I mean, it's Barbie, right? You gotta, gotta go pink. Pink, too. So rosé all day. And also, I can drink a fuck ton of rosé, and I'm gonna need to if I ever have to sit through that film again. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're welcome. I feel like you've hated it more as time has gone on. I don't feel like you hated it when we watched it. I was confused when we, we watched it. We both felt a certain yeah. way about it. But we did both feel a certain, and it's really grown. And then as award seasons pr- progress, I've gotten progressively more pissed Grumpy off about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah. Fair. All right. Okay. American fiction. American fiction. Have not seen it. Actually had not even heard of it. So this one is totally new to me. Uh, it's a it's a drama about a struggling black author who writes an absurdly stereotypical novel that satirizes the burdens faced by black writers, only to find that the book is a huge success when the sad, satire goes way over the heads of critics and readers. And it's a razor sharp satire of the fetishes. Fetus, fetus, what? Oh, wow. There's a word Jules cannot say. Fetization of black voices in the media. It's a school word. <laughs> That's, wow. Fetid, is that even a word? Yes, it's a word. It's, um, it's, a, it's a popular word in certain circles. Okay, so I have not seen this one either, and this one was, was also new to me as I was working on this, but... I really want to see this film. Like, this is totally my jam. I am so into this. She's into it. I'm into it. So what are you drinking? Oh, that one's harder. Um, So I was thinking about, like, I feel like this wine has to be something unexpected that you wouldn't necessarily, people wouldn't necessarily gravitate for or or go towards. So I'm going to pick a skin contact orange wine. Oh, Wow. Okay. Preferably amphora, you know, from an amphora. Okay. (laughs) You should have seen the look she just fucking gave me. I'm thinking, because it's about an author and about books, I'm thinking like cozy reading type of beverage. Oh, I don't think this film is cozy, bro. I'm going with a hot toddy. That's not a wine. I don't care. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm allowed to go. Have a mold wine then. I'm allowed to go rogue. There, there are really no rules in this episode. Nope, there are not. Oh, I can't wait for your red carpet moment. Okay. Shit show. Um, Drea, tell us about Killers of the Flower Moon, the longest fucking movie in history. <laughs> haven't seen it, and you want to know why I haven't seen it, dear reader? Because I could never go to the theater and sit through an almost three and a half hour movie and not have to use the restroom. Okay, well, your bladder's very tiny, and I'm sorry. Um, but can most people sit through three and a half hour movie and, like, not have to get up and use the restroom? Yes. Not most people. You even, can. Even my dog can. But most people can't. Anyways. Um, I haven't seen it because I really can't stomach Leonardo DiCaprio. <gasps> Leo? Wait, are you serious? You're a fan? He's, oh, I love Leonardo oh, DiCaprio. Oh, he's so gross. I've always thought he was gross. I loved him in The Great Gatsby. I nope. loved him in Romeo and Juliet. As Jay, I'm sorry. As Jay Gatsby? <gasps> Absolutely the I did. fuck not. I love that he drives a Prius. Listen, I drive a Prius. I do like that he is um, a conscious, like a 
globally conscious person. Yeah, but that doesn't make up for the fact that, like, he thinks women expire when they turn 24. I mean, whatever. Okay, so, but we di- also he was really good in Wolf of Wall Street. We digress. Give us the... Because he's gross. Give us the synopsis right, of so, this movie. And I'm disappointed by this because this is, like, I love the book and... Um, as some of you may know, I have a degree in Indigenous oh Studies. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she just had uh, to do it. Yep. Killers of the Flower Moon is directed herself. by the famed Martin Scorsese. Where and, did you go to school, Drea? And, and you want to bring it's that based up again? on the nonfiction book by the same name. Uh, and it's about the Osage murders and the birth of the FBI. Uh, the book is by David Grant, so check it out. It's rad. When members of the Osage tribe are murdered in the 1920s via mysterious circumstances shortly after the discovery of oil on indigenous soil, the FBI is established to uncover the true reasons behind them. Rather than the typical Western narrative that imagines white settlers as heroes and indigenous people as villains, Killers of the Flower Moon finally presents America's history of white supremacy in a suitably unflattering light. So... And you get three and a half hours of that. So need you're a break. probably going to need to drink a lot. Um, what are you drinking? What's the um, what's the wine that you have brought over that is made by the indigenous? She's an indigenous winemaker. Kita? Kita? So be... Kita actually closed right. operations last year. But um, winemaker Tara Gomez, who's Chumash, her and her wife, um, Medea, have their own label, Communes to Dreams. So, I would pick one of their wines. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Top um, that one, Drea. I was going to say... Um, <laughs> she will. <laughs> He's literally like, bitch, sit down. <laughs> cool your tits. <laughs> Come with this test jewels. <laughs> I was going to say like a mission, like, uh, you know, something that's grown pretty indigenously in the U.S. um, that has, like, rootstocks here. So, yeah, I, or, um, what's the one from Canada that's, uh, is it Blankenfish? Blankenfish? Do you know? know. I should know. I did an episode in season one. Blankenfish. It's not Okay, while she's doing that, we're going to move on to the next movie. That's probably a good idea. Which is, because we could be there all day, and none of us want to do that. Wow. Uh, Maestro, or Maestro, 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 I would say Maestro, is a biographical (laughs) drama about the famous composer Leonard Bernstein. Bradley Cooper stars as, as Bernstein and also wrote and directed the film. Man, Bradley Cooper is rad. The movie Chronicles, he wants to win an Oscar so he bad. Does. <laughs> he should. He was really good in the what was the Gaga movie? Um, a Star Is Born. The movie. This movie chronicles Bernstein's life from 1946 when he met Felicia Montealegre through his two engagements and three children. I and it's like, on Netflix. I feel like this could be pretentious. I haven't seen this one. It is on my list though to to um, watch because it is on Netflix. Like, what's a... I, I would pick something pretentious to drink. Like, hmm. <laughs> uh, right? I feel like... Because that circle, right? Like, compo- like um, composers and, like, you know, that kind of industry, I feel like, feels a little pretentious. You could do a champagne. Maybe, like, a Dom Perignon. <laughs> like, something real fancy. Yeah, I mean, or... 
What's a... Also celebratory, right? Like going to something like that, like a performance. Bubbles is always good. Or Cabernet. Like something classic, like a cab. But I think, you know, Maestro is all about the secrets he kept, too. So oh, I don't know that. So it could be something kind of like off kilter and slightly, you know, another yeah. surprise. So this one's really a mixed bag. It is a mixed bag. Look at us go. We go. Next up is Oppenheimer. So I also saw this one. and I do want to see it. Um, it is. So full disclosure, it's not a movie you really want to watch over and over again because it's about the making of a weapon of mass destruction, right? But it is stunning. It is visually stunning. Um, in Oppenheimer, director Christopher Nolan turned one of the most significant events in human history into a mind-blowing cinematic landmark anchored by Killian Murphy's mesmerizing performance. Is it Killian or Cillian? Is it, I thought it was I've Killian. heard it pronounced both, both ways. Both ways, right? Yeah. Again, we might know this if we watch TV once in a while. Um, but I feel like presenters have pronounced it both ways. That's where I'm getting confused. But was one of those presenters John Travolta? No. Okay. Forgot. <laughs> well, then now I'm confused too. Um, Anyways, his performance is mesmerizing as it captures the psychological intricacies of the father of the atomic bomb, and the film has been hailed as Nolan's piece de resistance. Piece de resistance. Uh, this, but it's like, it is a heavy film. Like, and cinematically, also, Christopher Nolan directed the Batman movies. Also heavy films, though. Like, it's kind of crazy to think of the genres. And he Dark. Did, he did Memento. Dark. Oh, that was his, yeah, that, that was, was a good his one. first big film, also very dark. Yeah. So I feel like we need something like deep and inky and heavy. Like a cab? You a, a cab? cab? Um, what did we just like have? Like a re- Napa cab? What did we just have recently that was like, it was almost black. It was so dark. Do you remember? It was on an episode. We did an episode. The Blood of My Enemies. Um... Hmm. The final no, because the final gore was a Grenache. The final, no, yeah, that was a light one. I'm trying to remember what it was, but we were both like, "Damn!" Yeah, it was dark. Uh, but yeah, something a you know, in some ways, you could do even since there are no rules apparently to this. There's no rules. A port. I was actually gonna say a port because yeah. it feels heavy old, and also old tiny, like yeah. old, like uh, you know. Men in suits and Hats. doing things. When people used to yeah. have bars in their offices, yeah. like the good old days. Like if we were doing like a cocktail, I'd do like a Manhattan or something. Well, it's also yeah. the Manhattan Project, but oh, so grand. <laughs> yeah, so. let's go with the port. Okay. All right. Next up is Past Lives. First time filmmaker Celine Song bared her soul with this beautiful semi-autobiographical love story about two childhood friends spending a weekend together in New York after 24 years and pondering what could have been. I'm going with a pet nap. Oh, that's a really good one, actually. Because it's like, like fun unexpected, and unexpected. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? I like that. I like high five on that one. Woohoo. We agree Dude. on something. Next up, last one. No, oh, no. Two more. Two more. Next up. Poor things. So, poor things. Poor things, as in pour the wine. Poor thing, not not quite. Oh, like poor things isn't like wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> poor things is a sci-fi romance film that offers a fiercely feminist take on the classic Frankenstein story. 
Emma Stone portrays a woman resurrected with the mind of a child. Story focuses on the bizarre and fantastical world of Bella Baxter after the scientist Dr. Goodwin Baxter brings her back to life. This seems like such a crazy ride. I was actually reading the New York Times had a like best of like all the different categories mm-hmm. and but they made it like best crazy performance like instead of best female performance and um and it did like a synopsis of her um uh her journey throughout the movie from being like a babe like basically she like starts out as a baby and has to like learn and i was like oh my god this sounds crazy sounds amazing though i really want to see this one i do want to see and i think it's streaming soon on one of the services so so. what are we picking it's got to be something a little kooky yeah for sure blend gsm it's gonna be a blend yeah like a GSM because they can That's be... That's not kooky. Uh, no. So either we could go kooky or you go blend, right? Like, because she's been like... She's basically Frankenstein, so you're kind of putting pieces together. What about like some just weird... You know what? Anna Piccicerello. Okay. A white wine. Just like a bizarro weird thing that you hardly see. And, and then most people don't know how to pronounce when they see it on the menu. Yeah. Just, you know, some shit that confuses yeah. you. Like, when do you see it on a menu also? Almost never. Sometimes. Here? Yeah. Where? Random places. Why can't I go? Why am I not there? <laughs> Why are we not oh, there now? Shit. All right. Why are we sitting in my dining room? Damn it. Because <laughs> oh. no one needs to hear this oh. in public. <laughs> Everyone wants to hear okay, this. Okay, last but not least. The, the zone, zone of, of interest. interest. The, the zone. Oh, you just did the other oh, one. Oh, I just did the other one. Sorry. Okay. You are so rude. I'm sorry. The Zone of Interest <laughs> is a historical war drama by writer-director Jonathan Glazer. I don't want to do this one. Set during World War II, the film follows Rudolf Hoss. The commandant of the infamous Auschwitz concentration camp as he tries to build a dream home right next door to the camp. Fuckers. Glazer conveys the horrors of the Holocaust through the shocking everyday mundanity. Mundanity? Mundane. It's mundane. Of normalized genocide. It's a cold study of willful ignorance. Also, that people out there say that the Holocaust didn't fucking happen blows my mind. Anywho. Because yeah, I have been to a concentration camp. They don't believe in science or history. Those I've two been things, like, to go... one in Germany, and the energy there is legitimately palpable. Like, you step foot in the yeah. place, and you immediately, like, you can feel it. Like, emotions These are also people happen. who think, like, the earth is flat and that the moon <sighs> landing was fake There's because that. the moon yeah. isn't real. But go on. So, what are you drinking? I mean, I, at I this point, like, like the whole fucking cellar. I cut, like I feel like kind of grossing that I'd even want to drink something. Yeah, you know, it's this one's just too heavy. It's I think. heavy. Like I feel like I'd want to drink some scotch. And <laughs> you know I mean, like I'd want like something not wine. Um, and because wine feels festive. In some of the reviews, that's because we make it festive. Well, that's in true. some of the reviews I was reading about this, they were saying that it kind of rivals like the Schindler's List oh, story, yeah. but in the opposite way. Whereas like Schindler's List was a film about compassion in a very dark time mm-hmm. this film is, is about turning your back yeah. on that mm-hmm. um and willfully doing so in a very yeah. dark time so ugh, i feel like it's one of those movies i should watch but i'm just like ugh, ugh. you have to mentally prepare yourself i think i probably wouldn't even drink during this movie no there's some movies that you just want to no drinks no focus, snacks focus in on yeah so there you have it our list of what to drink while you are potentially watching or getting ready to watch all of the Oscar-nominated films for Best Picture. Shawinigans.
Episode 73 features a San Giorgio Chiante Classico Reserva from Famiglia Castellani, Castellani uh, from 2017. Oh God, I was having a hard time reading numbers there. <laughs> Price point for this wine is between $20 and $25 and the ABV is 13.5%. Uh, full disclosure... Our original plan for this episode was to actually feature the wine that they are going to be pouring at the, at the actual Oscars. It was a little bit pricier. It was at $50, but we were going to go all in and we're do it because that's kind of fun. And also, we never tried it, but they were actually sold out of it. So we ended up pivoting and choosing the Chianti, um, which is obviously going to be a little bit more, uh, I think, family-friendly, shall we say. <laughs> Wallet-friendly for... Well, friendly. I was like, yeah. Science of the Lambs was not a family-friendly film. No. <laughs> I mean, depends what kind of family you are. Mm, fair so enough. Anyway, Drea, tell us about this varietal, Chianti. So Chianti wine is a red wine from Tuscany, Italy, made primarily with Sangiovese grapes and can be either a blend or a 100% um, single vineyard or single varietal. Uh, Sangiovese is a thin-skinned grape and therefore tends to make wines that are a little bit more pale in color and in the glass this translates to a signature ruby red with flashes of bright burnt orange flashes um chianti may also contain wine grapes like caniolo colorino Cabernet Sauvignon, and even Merlot. Paul Giamatti's favorite. Paul Giamatti's favorite. He's going to come for us. Um, common tasting notes often include red fruits, dried herbs, balsamic, smoke, and gamey meats. Oh. On, the high end, on the high end, these wines also offer notes of preserved sour cherries, dried oregano, balsamic reduction, dry salami, espresso and sweet tobacco all sound delicious yeah i'm into it yeah um so let's just talk a little bit quickly about aging and classification um because we opted for a reserva instead of just a classic so we sprung for it we Drea did we just really went, like, I went for just it just went and back the wall spent that extra eight fucking oh my dollars God. i just said that can i just an aside real quick and i know i said that we need to keep this short I was in an interview. I was doing an admissions interview, and the guy said balls to the wall at one point about something. And I literally wrote it in my notes on the in the margins. I was like, he said balls to the wall. That's a deny. <laughs> I've been like, you can stop right there. Just like, you know what? I'm not wasting my Listen time. fucking just Ken. Go back to beach. Like, what the just fuck? Just go beach. Just go beach. <laughs> anyway, oh, my sorry. God. I hate that. Go All right. It. So... <laughs> Um, we're, yes, aging and classification. So we are drinking the Reserva. Um, as Sangiovese ages, it becomes more savory, loses some color, and its tannins soften. Um, but only the best wines made with the best grapes can age over long periods of time with these varietals. Uh, so here are some labeling terms that you may see on Chianti or Chianti Classical wines so you know what to look for. So... Regular Chianti is typically aged for six months. It is young, simple, tart, and pretty fresh. Um, these ones I would honestly serve with just a slight chill on them, just a little bit below cellar temp. Um, then you have the Superiore, which is aged for a year. 
These tend to be slightly bolder wines with the smoother tannins to them. And then you have the Reserva. Reservas are aged for two years. Um, they usually top the, they're usually the top wines of county producers and will normally have some oaked aromas such as vanilla, spice, tobacco, like some of the ones we just noted. And then finally, you have the Gran Salizone, um, which I did look at these. I was like, let's be fucking fancy. It's award season. Nope. Those were out of our price range. Just how much were they? Um, the cheapest, like give me an idea. The cheapest one I saw, and I went to Total Wine because obviously was like $79. Yeah, that's a little... Yeah. I was a bit much to, you know, yeah. drink on an afternoon yeah. with a sandwich. But any who's it's. Um, so the Gran Salazone, uh, these are aged for at least two and a half years. They are only found in the Chianti Classico region. And some of the, they are also some of the most sought after wines in Tuscany. They tend to have intense tannins, flavors, and aromas ranging from dried cherry, smoke, balsamic, and leather. Um, so there you go. That's what you kind of need to know as you're picking out a Chianti to have with your fava beans. And speaking <laughs> of fava beans, let's break it down with some fun facts with Jules. Silence of the Lambs edition. All right. Fun facts with Jules. The, um... The film poster for Silence of the Lambs is almost as iconic as the characters in the film themselves. In 2006, it was named as the best poster of the last 35 years by something called the Key Art Awards. Um, so if you've never seen it, um, it basically looks like there is a skull and a moth on the poster. And it was inspired by Salvador Dali's In Voluptas Moors which was a picture of seven naked women entwined to create the illusion of a human skull. Cool. Um, we all know Hannibal Lecter as Anthony Hopkins, but apparently um, Sean Connery was in the running for this role, even though the director, John Could Condemi, you imagine? Oh. <laughs> it would have been good the way he talks, though. It would have been great. No, it would have been, been great. It would have been great. Uh also, I do love Sean Connery. Just because you're Scottish. I know. I know. Uh, so director Jonathan Demme wanted Anthony Hopkins for the role um, of Hannibal Lecter from the beginning, but he said that he was trying to be diligent and get a more commercial actor for the part because Anthony Hopkins at the time did not have the box office allure that he later gained. So he went to Sean Connery, but Sean found the piece revolting. Revolting. <laughs> revolting. <laughs> I can, uh, yeah, I, mean, I can see that. Come on. <laughs> He's like, absolutely not. He's like, I'm James Bond. The fuck you doing? <laughs> yeah. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Uh, so apparently, The Silence of the Lambs was at one time considered for a direct-to-video release because studio executives felt that the subject matter was too distasteful or revolting for a mass audience. Might as well have been a porno. <laughs> I mean, imagine that now. Like, they don't fucking... Yeah, now it like seems so mundane. They're like, right. oh, a cannibal and some serial killers? Fine. How adorable. <laughs> so Hopkins was rewarded for his efforts by picking up the best actor at the Oscars that year, despite being on screen for just 16 minutes. So we did some kind of research, and there was some discrepancy about actually how much time he spent. But basically, it was under 20 minutes of screen time, which when you actually see that in black and white, you're like, wait, what? It, yeah. Like, it's him and Jodie Foster are the movie, basically. And then the crazy serial Bubble killer. Bill, yeah. Right? But it's crazy to think that he was only in the movie for less than 20 minutes, 
And he won the Best Actor Award. This is like when people are like, God, the NFL won't stop showing Taylor. And it's like, so that game was four hours and she was on the screen for, for like 34 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Um, it's the second shortest screen time to win Best Actor. The first being David Niven, who was in Separate Tables in 1958 for 15 minutes. That's insane. Um, in 1992, the the film won five major Academy Awards, including Best Actor for Anthony Hopkins, Best Actress for Jodie Foster, Best Director for Jonathan Demme, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Picture. And it's only the third film to pick up all five in history, and to date, the last one to ever do so. The previous two were The Big Five. Uh, the, to pick up the big five where it happened one night that's a 1934 movie I love that movie and 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest so you have it some fun facts there about you, uh, the silence of you the know Lions. they're saying the Oppenheimer uh, well no because they don't have a best actress they probably won't no so they probably won't do it but Oppenheimer's gonna win a shit ton of things I think that's my bold not so bold Oscar prediction she's making a prediction as one does of course Okay, so fun facts aside, let's talk a little bit about the region that this particular wine is coming from in Italy. So we haven't done a ton of Italian wines on the podcast. I think the last one we did was from, we've done a Lambrusco and we've done one from Veneto, right? Uh, for one of your, one of our vacation specials that we did, but we have not done a Chianti. So the overall region of Chianti is located in Tuscany, situated between the cities of Florence and Siena, with some areas extending towards Pisa. It stretches for over... Not pizza. Not pizza. Mm, Pizza. It stretches (laughs) for over 100 miles from north to south and covers much of Tuscany, overlapping some of the region's most famous appellations. The size of Chianti is part of the reason that the wine is so well known. It's easy in this area to produce large volumes of inexpensive wine that can reach restaurants and shops all around the world. It's also the reason why the quality of Chianti wine is so variable. So you've probably been in an Italian restaurant where you see like sort of those uh, bottles with the big bulbous base and like the little wicker baskets. Oh, yeah. A lot of times those are Chiantis. Oh, really? Yeah, I but they're like house wines, right? So you're going to find those as some of your lower quality wines coming from the region. The borders of the Chianti region, um, as known today, were formed in 1932 and were much larger than the classic heart of Chianti wine production. The region became one of Italy's first DOCs, uh, created just after the category of classification emerged in 1963 and then was elevated to a DOCG in the 1980s. So again, when you're picking out a Chianti, you want to make sure that it's verified and from the region, like other protected regions we've talked about on the podcast, Champagne, Cava, Corpinat, whatever. Um, that DOCG designation on the bottle is going to tell you it is actually from the Chianti Classico region in Tuscany. Uh, Chianti Classico is by far the most important subregion of Chianti and is the only one to hold its own DOCG. So again, that. that's what you're looking yeah. for, signifying its high level of quality over the other subzones. Subzones. Again, judging. Um, There is a wide soil variation, but the most important soils in this area are called the galestro. And it's a soft clay-like soil that breaks apart easily. um, And 
also combines with like a hard sandstone. So it's it's kind of like a mealy clay, but also some hard sandstone. It's again, a real mixed bag. Overall, the wines from here have the most potential to age out of all of the Chianti subregions because of their high acidity and tannic structure. Um, despite them only having a medium to medium plus body. So usually we think of higher tannins with more full body wines. You're getting a little bit of the best of both worlds here. Um, Chianti Classico style depends on the vineyard and the producer, but some do choose to age their wines in new oak. So you're starting to see that emerge more as a trend there. I think we can use medium plus body as a descriptor for people. <laughs> Medium plus I'm gonna start calling myself a medium, medium plus, plus body. body. <laughs> she looks very pleased with herself. Um, ma'am, what size do you need? I need a medium plus. I'm in between a medium and a large, so it's a medium plus. <laughs> anyway, Castellani's vineyard in this region includes over 120 hectares. In the Rada area of Chianti, the soils and large temperature swings in the summer um, and peak growing season allow for slower ripening of the grapes, which yields a wine with more balanced elements. So that acid, those tannins, that structure, sugars are all being produced in a way that is in harmony. So now that we know a little bit about the style and the region, let's talk briefly about the winemaker, the Familia Castiani. So the Castiani family business began in the late 1800s in Monte Calvoi, Italy, when Alfredo Castiani decided to bottle and label wines under his own name and brand rather than producing for neighboring wineries. So he was already a winemaker, but it's at this point that he decides to start his own label and brand. Um, the, the story of the vineyard and their production is really interesting because this area is kind of a hotbed for extreme weather, much like um, what we're now seeing in California's northern regions like Napa and Sonoma Valley. So there's a whole history behind this vineyard of them weathering floods and torrential rains and fires and all kinds of crazy stuff. But the winery and the vineyard have stood the test of time and in 1982 the latest member of the family pier giorgio took the reins of the business and took it to the next level is pier giorgio half french half italian uh, that seems like a little bit pier giorgio can't decide i, I kind of love it though i'm yeah. sort of into it i've never heard that name before. so pier giorgio's philosophy focuses on the intersection between viticultural research technological experimentation and collaboration with other winemakers, um, which I think is really cool and what we've seen reflected a lot in quite a number of the, the, the wineries and producers that we've been featuring recently. Um, I think with like change the change of climate, that's just a growing trend to make sure the health of the regions and the individual businesses is ensured. Um, in 2023, the winery celebrated 120 years of business and continues to be a respected producer in Tuscany and beyond. And this particular bottle, the Reserva, earned 93 points on the James Suckling Review System. So I don't 
normally pull out a stock of that, but the little card from the bin that I got it out of told me that. So here we are. So here we are. All right, should we get into it? Let's get into some wine. Okay, so let's dive into this bottle, just like Hannibal Lecter dove into that dude's liver. And <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> she went there. Yep, 100%. Tis the season. Okay, so let's talk about what's in the glass with this Chianti Reserva. Color. Jules. I said rusty red. Right, and I said ruby, ruby, and together, that's pretty on brand for what they yeah. said this was going to look like, right? So there's definitely, you know, it's not totally opaque. Like, I can see my fingers through wiggling at the bottom of the glass there. Um, it does have that ruby hue, but there is that, like, slight tinge of orange um, that we talked about in the description, especially for those aged um, Chiantis like this one, a Reserva. All right, nose was a bit more challenging, I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I literally had to, like, the equivalent of hot box myself with this wine. Like, yeah. I had to, like, build a little dome with my hands and do some deep sniffing. Uh, did you get anything on the nose? So you and I, initially, we were both, like, nothing. There was, like, nothing specific yeah. coming out. Um, but then I was, like, it smells, like, earthy, like, dirty, like, dirty dirt versus, like, fresh earth or fresh dirt. So Drea was, like, what do you mean, like, old dirt or dirty dirt. I'm like, it's just like a different, a slightly different, almost like a dry well, dirt. I was going to say like a dry dirt or versus dusty, a like fresh a rain, fresh, dewy yeah, dirt. Yeah, like dark okay. dirt. Yeah. All right. I, I see. Yeah. Um, Definitely earth. I'm going to go with earth or earth. soil yes. perhaps. Uh, I did, once I took some deep puffs, uh, I did get some cherry and definitely those dried herbs. So like dried basil, dried thyme. I think that's a little bit um, in combination with that, like, earth, soil, dirty dirt vibes that Jules is getting as well. Kind of, Just, like, that dryness to it. I feel like there's a little bit of black pepper, too. Like, a heat, a spice. That is, like, it. your favorite. What? Black pepper. No. I say green pepper a lot. Pepper. It smells like bomba sauce. Bomba. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. That would not be good. I feel like that would really not be good. Okay, so should we... Take a sip? Yes. The verdict? Verdict or verdict? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> We've come to that point in the podcast, everyone. Words. Use your words. <laughs> Fetishize. Fetishize. <laughs> Finally got one. <laughs> she got me, everyone. It's like years <laughs> of the making. <laughs> so definitely getting that balsamic, that like aged balsamic on the flavor palette. Um, some salty meats, like, you know, that that feeling. And that's kind of more of a mouthfeel, that feeling that you get when you like eat, a, eat some salami. And that was not a euphemism. Like I legitimately, legitimately mean <laughs> eating salami like on a cheese board i've taken this too far anyways um <laughs> i was going like that that going. that dryness from eating like salted cured meats um but also some like sour cherry to me that's 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 what i'm vibing mm -hmm. i get the balsamic 
Okay. I'm and not it, getting the sour cherry. Okay. You getting salty meats? I'm not getting salty meats either. Getting anything else up in there? No. Okay, mm-hmm. just balsamic. So she's she's drinking salad dressing, everybody. <laughs> but she likes it because her glass is almost empty. Yes. So. It's delicious. <laughs> All right. But I will say that this definitely needs some food. Yeah. I. This is not a wine for the faint of heart. No. Or for some... Okay, so full tea, right? You got to be a red drinker and like a bold red, I think, to be able to enjoy this wine. This is not going to be the one that you serve at a dinner party with mixed company. Including people who love a Chardonnay. Like, this is not going to be the jam. Uh This is a very... And I typically, kind of full disclosure slash confession, I don't drink a lot of Chianti's. I'm not a huge huge fan of them. Um, I don't know a ton about Italian wine, so I tend not to gravitate towards it as much. Like if I'm out, but no, you, this definitely needs some companions. It needs a meal. No, I'm not, it doesn't need like an appetizer. It needs a meal, like a proper dinner. Okay. Well, um, that's going to fuck with our pairings a little bit because since it's award season, I thought it would be extra cute and cheeky to do something a little different this time with the pairings. She's giving me a face, everyone. Um, and instead of our normal pairings, I was like, let's do a movie snack. Like something you would get as you're watching a movie, a genre of film, and then a film. Okay, I mean, that's fine. I could do that. But I'm just saying for our reader, like, this requires a meal. This does require food. Okay, so I'm going to let you have this. If you were going to serve this with food, what would you serve it with? Like a full meal. I want a hearty, like, ragu pasta. Like short rib ragu. Yeah, just like a meat sauce. Like something... You know, we with some like that sticks to your ribs. We actually went out to dinner with friend of the podcast Lauren last month at a new Italian restaurant um, in San Diego, and I had a duck ragu that was that would insanely be good, with this. good. That this would be good with, yeah, yeah. yeah but something stick to your ribs yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, oxtail, like braised oxtails, mm-hmm. would be really good with this. Um, bolognese would be good with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, spicy meat pizza would be good with this. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, you get it. Like, something with some heft. But um, we're luscious and are going to the movies. So, what are you ordering at the movie theater to go with this? So, I don't love a lot of things in the concession stand because I don't eat a lot of candy and stuff. So, I would have to go with the movie theater popcorn with the chemical butter. I do enjoy movie theater popcorn. Well, yeah. Like that neon yellow butter. More. No, yes. more. Please put another <laughs> squirt of that butter on there that's not really butter. And I want you to layer it. Thank it's you very much. It's some sort of weird chemical Also, thing. I need about 30 salt packets. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> correct. I mean, if you're going for it, go for it. We went to a movie not too long ago, and they had a salt shaker, and John was horrified. He was like, the fuck is this? Do I take this with me? And I was like, no, I think you you put the salt on here. And he was like, absolutely not. (laughs) See, I would hate that because it's like then someone's holding that salt shaker, and they haven't washed their hands, and then you're using your hands to eat the popcorn no <laughs> i'd be wiping that shit down with a wet wipe first she's just gonna pull out her lice off from oh, her seriously. absolutely not and that's like pre-pandemic jewels i would have done that like that people disgust me generally speaking the general public is gross okay well you're as really we all know you're really gonna like my movie theater snack okay what is it so one of my ultimate guilty pleasures is 
shitty nachos. Like, nachos with, like, the oozy, like, bright yellow cheese. With the fake cheese. That's not cheese. Like, I love that. You take me to a movie, you take me to a football game, whatever. I want me some of these awful nachos. Um, so we're talking like the traditional cheap nachos, not all the fancy fucking bougie gourmet nachos no, that people make. Not nowadays. at all. With yeah. like not not nachos like even I would make at my own house. Yeah. Like if I was hosting like a football like a game yeah. party or something. No. Garbage. Hot it's garbage. Like the popcorn. Yeah. With the chemical exactly. fucking butter. Same. Same, same. Okay. So it's chemical cheese. What genre of film are you pairing with? Horror. This? Same. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Some again, something. Fuerte. You need something yeah. that's going to stand up to it. Yeah. All right. And what is your pick of film? I really, I, and I think we've talked about this previously. Maybe it was like the Halloween episode. Bram Stoker's Dracula. 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 I really like that movie. I really enjoy that movie. But I could also see this going with a traditional, like, uh, you know, Halloween or oh, see, when you Friday said, the 13th. When like you said traditional, I was like Vincent Price? No, no, no. <laughs> like 80s night 80s Ugh, horror things fine where chicks are running around with their boobs out and stuff like yeah glad, glad that's what does it for I you know, <laughs> what about you uh the exorcist i actually oh, just saw um the pope's exorcist with russell crowe uh last weekend and i was like oh yeah this is good i love all plus it's chianti it's from italy like they're on some creepy Catholic church shit, and yeah, I'm sold. You got it. Yeah, men. Okay, well, all right. There you have it. So, if you would like to purchase this particular bottle or a Chianti Reserva of your of your choice, we got ours at Total Wine. But here's the thing: these are all over the place. Like, you can find them at yeah, every grocery Chianti store. Chianti has a huge distribution footprint here in the U.S. Um, you know, go crazy, go nuts. You've gotten enough tips in this episode in terms of reading the label and how the aging process works to pick a good one. So have at it. And if you find one that you particularly like, um, slide into those DMs and follow us on Instagram. We're at Two Girls and Great Pod, T W O Girls and a Great Pod. And if you've enjoyed this episode, give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. For our next bottle, we are doing something a little bit different and are shaking it up a bit by celebrating International Vermouth Day with our first ever vermouth feature. So cool. I'm very excited because I fucking love vermouth. So it's going to be a good time. And um, look for our pics to show up on our Instagram feed. So until then, salute. Cheers. <laughs>